People are just stunned at the fact that I've never been to Las Vegas. Yeah, I remember three years ago or four years ago when I found out that the Super Bowl would be heading to Vegas, and I thought, okay, well, then I don't need to go between now and then. I'll just wait until the Super Bowl gets there. And this is it. It's finally here, which is crazy. We are very close. In fact, one week away from After Hours broadcasting live in Las Vegas. Not on Radio Row. Instead, we'll be at our Las Vegas home, our CBS Sports Radio affiliate in Las Vegas, We appreciate them hosting us and appreciate Southern Recipe Pork Rinds for making this trip possible for us. Yes, pictures, videos, stories, guests, including Hall of Famers. You never know who we might cross paths with because, let's face it, it's Vegas. It's a novelty. A lot of people will be there. The estimates say greater than 430,000 people will be in town for Super Bowl weekend. All right. This trip is big. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be quite a sight to behold. We will be working pretty much round the clock uh, between Radio Row and our shows and the prep that has to happen in between. We'll be doing that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday, finally get to take a breath and walk around and take in the sights and take personal photos uh, and also take in a show as well as see the Hoover Dam because I'm a nerd, but I can't wait. Those are... Excite, like I, I would say anticipation, excitement for the weekend, but really the work is the thing, uh, and, and that comes first when we take on these trips to the Super Bowl. If you're going to go and you're going to spend that kind of money and you're going to be on site, you have to make it worth it for the investment and for the listeners, and that is the goal. And it's the first time for Producer Jay. I cannot wait to see his reaction to what it's like on Radio Row. It's unlike anything you've ever experienced. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Thanks so much for all your questions for Ask Amy Anything. You can go back and check it out on Twitter and Facebook. I always answer more of your questions that don't require a novel. That's on, uh, well, the course of the day. It's on both of our social media sites. I'll answer as many as I quickly can. Uh, But it happens during the day time on Wednesday after I wake up on my hump day. So you might have to wait just a little bit, but. Between your Ask Amy questions and your suggestions for Vegas and your comments about Taylor Swift, there's a whole lot of not much sport conversation going on right now on our social media. Our phone number, 855-212-4227. That's 855-212-4CBS. Here's my theory. The NFL doesn't need Taylor Swift All of those funky conspiracy theories or, and I know most people do not believe the games are rigged, but the idea that the NFL has hitched its wagon to Taylor Starr, I'm sure they appreciated the bump in the midseason. It makes for buzzy conversation. And let's face it, news networks have picked it up. Entertainment Tonight, People Magazine. I, I, I see it on some of my pop culture websites. She's a phenomenon. She is. She's one of the most famous people in the world right now. Good for her. So the NFL isn't mind the fact that you've got Swifties, right, who are paying attention. And Jay, I honestly have no idea how this would get figured. But according to the research, again, I don't have any clue how they actually figure this part out. But according to the research... 
having Taylor Swift involved with the NFL or having Taylor attend games has made more than $300 million in revenue for the Chiefs. I don't even, I don't know if that's because of viewership or ticket sales or, right, Chiefs merchandise. So the NFL gets a piece of that. Um, But yeah, there, there are estimates out there that she is, been worth more than $300 million in revenue for the Chiefs since she started appearing in games. In revenue. Right. Wow. I, I, again, that's kind of crazy, right? That it would be that, it would be that market. She would, she's marketable, but it would be yeah. that much of a, of a marketing tool, just her showing up at games. I think the majority of it's got to be from just, Swifties fans buying, mm. you know, Chiefs merchandise, Travis Kelsey jerseys, Chiefs jackets, Chiefs shirts. That's where it's got to mostly come from, right? This comes from Fortune.com. She's generated. Now, this is how Fortune.com put it. She boosted the Chiefs of value by $331.5 million, which is revenue, right? They've added an equivalent brand value of $331.5 million, according to a recent study from Apex. Now, you can say that's some Chiefs, some NFL, because essentially it's an oligarchy and it all goes into, some of it goes into a pot. But here's what they say it's based on. Print, digital, radio, TV, the highlights, the social media monitoring, however they monetize those things, it's been an increased footprint. And the, the fact that the Chiefs are going back to the Super Bowl means that it continues on. I don't know how you put a financial value on reach and impact, but as you point out, it would be ticket sales, it would be merchandise, it would be people maybe traveling on the road, it would be buying the products that the Chiefs are selling, it, those types of things. But it's it's hard to understand really how they monetize it. YouTube yeah. maybe or subscriptions to Chiefs whatever. That's what I'm thinking. I don't know this answer. I don't think so. I haven't seen anything. But have the Chiefs collaborated at all with Taylor Swift directly? Uh-uh. No, right? So uh-uh. they wouldn't – like you can't go to the Chiefs YouTube – and say and watch a video of Taylor Swift talking about the game, right? Because that would have millions and millions and millions of views, and you would make a lot. She of doesn't do that, money on that, right? She so doesn't want to be the center of attention. Yeah, so I'm wondering why, what, like, what would make a Swifty go to the Chiefs YouTube page or or Twitter page or X page to click on videos and stuff? Because they want to know, them. right? But they want to know who Travis Kelsey is. Yeah, it's I her suppose. new man, right? Yeah. So they're obsessed with finding out whatever they can about her new man. About Kelsey. Right. And so here's how Apex defines it. Digital content and online news, they're creating the most value. So maybe it's because people are paying for subscriptions to read about the Chiefs, that type of thing. They were the Peacock. not Pe- Oh, yeah, Peacock game, correct? A few weeks ago. So maybe they got a nice bump from that game of Swifties mm. buying that one, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So she's attended 12 of the 18 Chiefs games in the regular season. And all three, well, he didn't play to start, right? So he missed a couple mm-hmm. of games at the beginning, maybe. But all three of the Chiefs playoff games now in their run to the Super Bowl. And I'm just here to say that as much as that is interesting, the NFL doesn't need her for the Super Bowl. It is the most watched broadcast every year, regardless of genre, regardless of 
any other factor. You can weigh it by any other factor, and it's still the most popular broadcast on TV by far. It will generate more than 100 million viewers without blinking. However, it's not just the Super Bowl that is raking in record viewership. Get this. First three weekends of the postseason, the viewership, the number of eyeballs, if you will, highest on record going back to the late 80s when they started keeping track. The first three weekends of the playoffs, averaging. Now, this is even the crappy games. I guess there were a couple that were blowouts. Averaging 38. Oh, oh, and keeping in mind there was one on Peacock, right? So that one also is part of the average, which will bring it down. They averaged 38.5 million viewers on TV and digital, which is up 9% from last year, just when you think the NFL stopped growing. Get this. Chiefs-Ravens, most watched AFC championship game ever. Ever. Most watched ever? Until next year. (laughs) I'm blown away. Are you going to take a wild guess how many people tuned in on? This is average. Um, 52 million. 55 and a half million. Guess where it peaked. 64 million people. Our nation only has 330, well, 330 million people that we know of, right? That have been (laughs) counted. But 64 million people is how it peaked. That's insane. That is, that's insane. There's nothing other, there's no other show that will ever even come close to that. I said this last week at the conference that I was attending. Football is the only thing we agree on in this country. We agree on nothing else, but we agree on American football. We don't agree on hoops. We don't agree on pro versus college. We don't agree on any other teams. Baseball, we we don't. Pitch clock, people hate it, people like it. We we only agree on the NFL. That's the only thing that brings us together in this country. It has the power to unify across every platform and culture and language and any other barrier you can come up with. 64 million people. Most watched program on CBS outside of the Super Bowls. Since the 94 Winter Olympics, which aired in primetime. I mean, we're talking about crazy stuff here. The NFC Championship was the most watched of its kind in over a decade. So in 12 years. It peaked at 59 million during the fourth quarter. As the Niners were coming back against the Lions. And the thing is, like, oh everyone's gosh. tuned in. It's not even, you know, the majority. It's not like it's just on in the background. It's everyone's locked in, watching, interesting, cared. Mm-hmm. And we're still talking about it days later, right. what's happening in these games. It's CBS has the Super Bowl, of course, that's coming up next Sunday, averaging more than 45.5 million viewers for its postseason games. And it's the highest average for CBS since the NFL got back to the network before the turn of the century. Up 12% from last year. That's up 12% from last year's CBS games. Which also featured the Chiefs in the playoffs. Wow. We are, we're shills for the NFL. So here's my theory. It doesn't matter whether Taylor's going to be there. In fact, there might be some other celebrities there too. She's not going to be the only celebrity that you see on TV. There are going to be a lot of them. It's Vegas and it's a celebrity magnet. Where they go to be seen. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point. The point. Yeah. So if she doesn't show up, let's say she doesn't make it back from her concert in Japan. I'm just saying something happens. I'd feel bad for <laughs> Travis. But if, if she doesn't make it, you never know what could happen. If she, if she gets hung up in Japan, I have no idea. If her flight doesn't get out of Japan on time, I don't know. I'm just saying if she doesn't make it, 
there'll still be plenty of other celebrities. I think if she doesn't make it, she'll be talked about even more. You think? I do. Where's Taylor? Where's Taylor? Taylor couldn't make it. Does like, she where's Waldo? Where's Taylor? Did she fly out on time? Did she plan it oh, right? Oh, do you think people would start speculating about whether or not they broke up? Of course. Oh, that's of course. rude. That's rude. That's rude. I'm happy for them. Good for them. Why can't we just be happy? Red is the color of love. <laughs> And the it's after hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. People get so mad. If you are bold enough to tell me why it is that you can't stand seeing, seeing Taylor Swift on TV for 40 seconds out of a three-hour broadcast, I'd love to hear from you. <laughs> Don't worry, be happy. See? <sighs> 855-212-4227 on Twitter, A-Law Radio, and then also on our Facebook page after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. Okay. I don't even know where we go from there. Oh, there's some news, and it has nothing to do with Taylor Swift. Oh, yes, it does. No, it doesn't. Wait, should, just for fun, should we drop the Andy Reid cut on people? So even when we try to get away from the Taylor Swift thing, people ask Andy Reid about it during his press conferences. So he's... Planning for the Super Bowl. Maybe he finds this amusing when people care more about Taylor and the games and how he met her than they do about his game plan for beating the Niners. Yeah, apparently Travis doesn't like the fact that Andy knew his girlfriend before he did. I knew her before uh, from Philadelphia. Her her dad played at Delaware and was a big football fan and um, good guy. So I had met him there. Um, and her. And so uh, that was the last thing Trav wanted to hear that I knew her before him. You know that? <laughs> See what I mean? This is amusing for Andy Reid. He doesn't have to give away any of his trade secrets. He can just talk about Taylor Swift. Who knew Cupid was so big? It's funny. Somebody wrote to me on Facebook that, oh, by the way, we hear from Jason and Travis Kelsey today on the New Heights podcast. Somebody wrote to me on Facebook and said, how dare she be a distraction? We just want to see football. The players are trying to do their jobs. Are you kidding me? Yeah, not just that. Right. Not just that. But he's playing really well right now. Number one. Number two, do you think he's really upset that she came to the games and she's such a big distraction? He's feeling himself. Have you noticed? He's like the enforcer in Baltimore. Oh, yeah. He, he's, no. he's telling security guards where to go. His two him, favorite women, his mom and his girlfriend. I mean, what more can you ask for? Audience of two. <laughs> he loves it. He's soaking it all in, I oh, think. Oh, he absolutely And is. he should. He definitely should. Good for Travis Kelsey. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if they won the Super Bowl, Travis won Super Bowl MVP? Because it, it happened not that long ago for Cooper Cup, right? You can have a receiver win a Super Bowl MVP. And he got to go to Disney World. Oh, I mean, the internet might blow up. Disney World Japan, maybe? Is there a Disney World Japan? There is. Oh, so I don't I don't actually know how many Disney Worlds there are in the country. Paris, I mean, in the, in the, the world. Japan. Paris. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe somewhere else. L.A. is Disneyland. Disneyland, right? yeah. Wait, where's Euro Disney? Is that the one in Paris? That's probably Paris, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's it called in Japan? Disneyland Japan. All right. Can we be a little more creative than that? I mean, it's probably pronounced the way I don't know, but. (laughs) The internet will blow up if they go to Disney together. 
That would be a conspiracy for all the media people to vote for Travis Kelsey as the MVP so he could go to the Super Bowl. The photos or would the, be everywhere. The, yeah, the Super Bowl MVP and go to Disney. That would be hysterical. <laughs> okay, fine. Some actual news then. Ben Johnson is staying with the Lions, so we'll get to that. Why did he choose to... Well, whether or not you thought it was a done deal in Washington, why did he choose to stay put with Detroit? Uh, and the new offensive coordinator for the Steelers. I didn't see this one coming, but there's a new offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh. Oh, and the Knicks won eight in a row. And Rory McIlroy's jumping to live. Okay, not yet, but I think he's considering it. That's my Hitler. theory. N- not anymore. Like I hit it. You, your tone has changed so much. Not anymore. Good morning to you. We're goofballs. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Knicks maintain possession. Deep in Chenzo. Straight away. Downtown. He's got it. For 11 from downtown. There's Brunson again from three. That one off the mark, no good. Scramble for the ball. It's DiVincenzo from way downtown. It's good. Seven for 12. It's another night to celebrate here at the Garden. The buzzer sounds, and that is it. Another dominant performance for the Knicks. They led it by seven after one, by eight at halftime, by 20 after three quarters. And they win it tonight here on the Garden Floor, 118-103 over the Utah Jazz. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. The Knicks have won eight in a row. Well, it's been a long time since we've talked about the Knicks as a contender. In fact, other than, say, the Giants last year when they were a surprise run to the NFC playoffs, right? They were a wild card. They won a game in the playoffs. Uh, The Jets getting Aaron Rodgers and the whole Zach Wilson flap. The Nets, oh gosh, the Nets, KD, Kyrie, and James Harden, I'm using my air quotations, era. The Rangers being in the Stanley Cup final a couple times. The Devils upsetting the Rangers in the playoffs last year. I'm trying to think of all the reasons that we've talked about New York sports. There's only a handful of them in my 11 years working at CBS Sports Radio. The Yankees got Juan Soto. That was a minute. Oh, come on. I can't remember the last time baseball. Oh, well, the Mets did make the World Series. The Mets made the World Series in 16, no, 15. 15. 15, right? So we talked about them then. Have the when was the last time the Yankees won a World Series? It feels like it's been nine. Yeah, it's been it was pre CBS Sports Radio. So, all right. For the most part, New York sports have stunk since I've been working in lower Manhattan, right? So our network is national, but we're based in lower Manhattan. This is where we drive into work every night. For the most part, the entire 11 years, New York sports have been more the butt of a joke than they have anything else. And the Knicks have been tops on the list, partly because of how they're run. You thought Daniel Snyder was a a drama king with the Washington Redskins slash football team slash commanders and some of the decisions he made. Well, James Dolan, he's 
he's known for being a bit of a wild card too. And and some of his choices and decisions are questionable. And he's been accused of all sorts of nefarious things. And so the Knicks, it, weirdly enough, because he also owns the Rangers, right? And the Rangers are great, although they they hire and fire pretty quickly. But Because he's hands off with the Rangers. That's true. He doesn't get so involved. But he loves his Knicks. And so they've been a laughing stock more than anything. Some of their moves they've made. And yet, crazy enough, they sell out Madison Square Garden as though they have won eight championships in a row, not just eight games in a row. People love MSG for Knicks games. You cannot get in there for anything less than like 200 bucks. I mean, and that's if you can find a ticket. You have to get it on a secondary market. It's literally the worst seat in, in the, in the yeah. arena. And, and there's actually not a bad seat in the house. But I've been there on press passes for games, and I've been there for two Billy Joel concerts. Otherwise, I couldn't afford to buy a ticket for a Knicks game. <laughs> if, talking about being seen, that's what it's all about. And finally, the Knicks are putting on a show. Dante DiVincenzo with a career-high nine threes last night. He goes 9 of 15 from beyond the arc. 33 points overall led the Knicks in scoring. So he and Jalen Brunson with quite the backcourt combination. And yeah, they've won eight in a row. We're just playing together. Um, we have a joy to us, and we have the best fans in the league. So whenever we go on the road, they're following us, and we come home, and we've got to protect home court. Longest win streak in the NBA right now, and they've moved into third place in the Eastern Conference. Also, you have to go back to the days of Carmelo Anthony for them to be any higher in the Eastern Conference. They were a two-seed one year, right, when he was with the Knicks? I- think so. They I'm pretty lost sure in the second round they to the did. Pacers. They but did, they but he was they were a two seed when he was in town. So this is the best Knicks team since then, by far. Uh, so good for them. The call there on Knicks radio. And if you know anything about Tom Thibodeau, you know that he starts and ends with defense, and Josh Hart says that's what's working. We've been making them have tough shots, and, you know, we're finishing rebounds, finishing possessions with rebounds, and, you know, when we do that, we're able to play in transition, have fun, and kind of play the style that we want to play. That is music to Thibodeau's ears. That is what he cares about. The offense can be the ugliest thing on the planet. It can be, I'm trying to think, like my dancing. It can be that ugly, and he would be thrilled because of the defense. So, Yeah. His style, his culture now, Julius Randle, although I he's injured, right? But at the same time, yeah, shoulder, he's been great with Jalen Brunson. Now, remember a couple of years ago, he was grumpy and he was nasty and he was wanting out and he was disgruntled, but nobody would take his contract because it's an albatross of a deal. Now with Jalen Brunson, who's become a legit superstar since he got to the Knicks, Yeah, it's been amazing to see the two of them and some of the other pieces they put around them. Finally, they have a point guard because that's been their, it's been their goal is to find someone who can run point for them. Uh, And and the number of bad draft choices they made and everything else. So it's been a disaster for the Knicks for years. But there's a lot of hope in New York around that team. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Last night, the Warriors won just their fifth game in their last 15 tries. They beat the Sixers. Now, the Sixers had Joel Embiid for the majority of the game, but late in the game, he hurt his knee. There was a collision. He ended up leaving the game, and Nick Nurse is actually saying it's not the same thing that he's been dealing with. Obviously, he got landed on, uh, so 
they're going to do an MRI tonight or tomorrow. Um, it's kind of unrelated to what's been bothering him. Uh -oh. um, so we just wait on that. Yeah, so he, he probably saw the play. He was laying there and he got landed, landed on. Yeah. That's his worst nightmare. The idea that Joel Embiid might miss time because of injuries. And remember, the size, he's seven feet plus. He's a big dude. The the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Oh, yeah, he fell hard. And so they're waiting. We'll wait to get the, uh, the results of the MRI. Uh, but he did limp to the locker room after he and Jonathan Kaminga of the Warriors had a collision. Kaminga kind of landed on him, so that was tough. Although... And B, it's a lot bigger than, well, not taller than Kaminga, but bulkier than Kaminga. He got landed on. He did. I don't know why that sounds so awkward <laughs> to me. He got landed on. Jay's in there chortling away <laughs> behind the double pane glass, and I have no idea why he's laughing. I'm assuming it's not because Joel Embiid got hurt. I'm just going to go ahead and, and make that statement so no one gets upset at producer Jay. Obviously, he got landed on. <laughs> I don't know why that makes he me got laugh. landed on, um, and and he was kind of sucking it up. He got cleared to play, and he was out there, but he wasn't right even before that. So, a little bit of bated breath. Uh, some cool news for those of you who love college hoops and are big fans of Tom Izzo, even if you don't necessarily love Michigan State, you're big fans of Coach Izzo, who's been there for a long time on his birthday. So, happy belated birthday to Coach Izzo. His birthday was Tuesday. And he celebrated 700 career wins, all of them coming in East Lansing. Well, not in East Lansing, but with the Spartans. You won a few here and a few there and a few here and a few there. And then a lot at one place. But we, we, the players, the assistant coaches I've had, we've won all of ours right here at Michigan State. And uh, I am really, really honored, proud, and uh, feel good. And like I said, we're not dead yet. We got we got some more wins. We got Thankfully. some more years to go. And uh, just going to keep fighting the fight. I heard the press conference, and I should have said that up better. He's talking about Mike Krzyzewski and how many more wins Mike has than he does. But then he goes on to say, however, I'm really proud of the fact that I've only been one place. Or we, we've just been here. We've gotten all these wins uh, as Spartans. So that part I appreciate, and I know that it matters to him. He is ingrained in the culture there on campus. And last year, after they had uh, the tragic shooting, he was really the bright light for the campus. And he was so authentic and genuine and sincere and, and emotional. He's a very emotional guy anyway. Uh, but to, to see him out at the vigils, to see him comforting people and speaking on behalf of the campus and how wonderful a community it is, even more so people respected him. It, he's not just about basketball. He's a part of the culture there at Michigan State. So I uh, really admire him a lot. All right, coming up, Ben Johnson staying put. So the commanders are still looking for a head coach, as are the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, and then the Steelers have a new offensive coordinator. I didn't see this one coming. Good afternoon. I, I but but I trust Mike Tomlin. I trust Mike Tomlin. And, yeah, I'm trying to start the rumor. I'll just be honest. It's me starting the rumor that Rory McIlroy is about to bolt to live. I just, I can feel it. Jay, in my gut, I can feel it. Are Get you with lit. me? No, I mean. I don't know. He's changed his tune so much. 
I think he misses the guys who keep leaving. He misses his friends. He misses <laughs> he misses his friends. Do you think that he's happy that they're making a lot more money than he is? No. No, you don't think so? I think he's upset with everything that happened and he hates everything that and he if he I think if Roy McAway could like be like click or what a replay no, you rewind haven't and go back. Heard him? I mean he sounds like he's his he's softening. He's warming up to the idea. He misses his friends. <laughs> he just wants to play golf with his friends. Like all of us. Right. I just want to play golf with my friends. It's not so different. Uh, on Twitter, A-Law Radio, and then on our Facebook page, too. Good morning. It's Wednesday. It's After Hours, CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. You're listening to After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Firing for the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. Touchdown. Takes it himself to the power. One man to beat him. He's gone. They throw in the end zone. Cut. Touchdown. Made a guy miss. He's inside the five. He's to the three to one. Stops the center something into the end zone. Touchdown. The people have spoken, and one score stands above the rest. Here is your TD of the week. The San Francisco 49ers. Purdy sends Kittle in motion right. Purdy. Out of the shotgun, drops a couple of steps. Going to take a deep shot to Brandon Ayuk. It's the flag. Oh, he caught it. Caught. Ayuk caught it out of the air. A flag is also down. Did Ayuk score? He got touched down on the two-yard line. McCaffrey runs around. Purdy pressured. Purdy throws. Caught by Brandon Ayuk. Touchdown. <laughs> Here comes. San Francisco. Ayuk. Ayuk. Ayuk is on fire! Oh, we didn't hold it long enough. I was surprised. Uh, I felt like the look before um, pre-snap that I had a chance to get the ball, but they were just on top. I don't even know. (laughs) Okay, so Jay cheated this week. He actually put a twofer. Two plays, two receptions, one touchdown for Brandon Ayuk. But the thing is, they're not down there. Inside the 10-yard line, if not for IU, catching a ball off the face mask of his defender. He just kept running, diving catch as the ball bounced off the defender's face mask. Vildor, I'm sure that was one of, well, had it been a different circumstance where it didn't end the Lions' season this game, maybe that's one that they tee up in the film room and they watch over and over again. You know these guys get ribbed. Anytime you get strong-armed and stiff-armed by Derrick Henry or Christian McCaffrey, that gets shown in the film room over and over again. (laughs) It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Let's see, Greg Papa, Tim Ryan on Niners Radio. And, yeah, we're Brock Purdy fans around here. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if we're holding a Purdy party come Super Bowl night. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if either of these teams wins. Uh, They're both great stories, whether it's the continuation of the Chiefs building this dynasty or whether it's the Niners finally winning a Super Bowl for the first time since the mid-90s. Either way, it's a good story, great guys, a lot of really cool elements. Uh, Trent Williams, who's never been in a Super Bowl, and he's in his 14th season, he's 35 years old. Um, There's all kinds of different angles that we can analyze the game from, and we'll get to that part. But the Purdy element to this is fascinating because I feel like people forget that he's only been a a full-time starter for a year and he's still growing into it. This was the first year and it was actually his job. And so 
He takes a ton of criticism, and I don't really understand why. He doesn't respond to it as much as his teammates do. They stump for him on his behalf. I mean, what did Christian McCaffrey tell us after Sunday's game? I can't say enough good things about Brock Purdy. Fred Warner, defensive captain, and he can't stop raving about Brock. Heck of a game manager. Wow. Right. Lots of sarcasm there. Well, now... This happened after seeing a bunch of the Niners show up at the Warriors game on Tuesday night. Now you've got guys like Draymond Green who are taking up Brock Purdy's cross and battling for him. He tells NBC Sports Bay Area, enough is enough with Brock. But he actually says no matter what he does, people are still going to find a reason to criticize him. It's been a lot of Brock Purdy slander um, over the last couple years. And, you know, the way he showed up in that second half of that conference championship game, I know better than that because he can show up in the Super Bowl. And if he start off the season bad, four bad games, they're going to be like, he's a game manager. So, <laughs> um. <laughs> the entire Bay Area is now taking up the case of Brock Purdy. It's one of those... You come at Brock, well, you you got to pr- be prepared to deal with all of us. You're a clown. By the way, Draymond Green is different since he returned from his suspension. You may think it's temporary. You may think it's fake. We talked to a Warriors beat reporter. Actually, in our second hour, he joined us following the game between the Sixers and the Warriors because they're about to hit the road. Golden State is still four games below 500, and they've got 23 of their final 38 games on the road. They've been wildly inconsistent But Draymond is back, and I heard Andrew Wiggins call him the mastermind last night. That's quite the compliment. Anyway, Sam Gordon joined us from Chase Center, and we had the chance to ask him about these Warriors and what the second half might hold. Uh, And I asked him about Draymond and, and if he's any different. His answer may surprise you. So check out that conversation on our podcast. The link is always shared right after the show on our Facebook page or on our show Twitter, After Hours CBS. Ben Johnson is staying put. He's decided, similar to Dan Quinn a year ago, not to take a head coaching job should it be offered to him. In fact, he's pulled his name out of the Commanders and Seahawks interview process. Now, this is interesting. Some sources out there, I don't know if it's true or not, but some NFL insiders are saying that Ben Johnson wanted a lot of money to be a head coach and that a couple of teams didn't want to pay as much as he felt he should he should be paid. Now, you know what you do when you have a job you love? You make extraordinary demands. You push the envelope because you're happy staying where you are. You're okay if those teams bulk, in this case, teams or employers bulk, because you're you're okay staying where you are. You don't need a new job. But hey, if I ask for the moon and they give it to me, well, all right. But Johnson decided that he would stay there with the Lions. And even though there was a, a few eyebrows raised over it, actually, according to Ian Rappaport, this is kind of interesting, he was never a lock for the commander's job. That was kind of the rumor the speculation that was making the rounds Uh, but the commanders are actually meeting with the defensive coordinator of the lions aaron glenn and he's one of their strong candidates so no ben johnson as a head coach in the 2024 season which means washington and seattle are still looking for head coaches 
they're interviewing some of the same guys, too, which is interesting. That's a bunch of crap. I am definitely floored that Mike Vrabel is still available. I, I really am. I can't even adequately express my surprise that Bill Belichick is still available. Unless it has to do with his age. Meaning they couldn't get, I don't know, a seven-year commitment out of him. When Tom Brady said on The Herd with Colin Cowherd on Tuesday, though, that he doesn't think Belichick is done with coaching. I think the fire burns with him because he's got, he loves the sport. He loves the preparation. He's been doing it for decades. And in my mind, there's nobody better than him at it. So whoever gets him at some point is going to have, in my opinion, the greatest coach ever. And um, and I know he's as competitive as can be, and he wants to be out there winning football games as a coach. Colin asked Tom Brady about the process of getting ready to be a broadcaster, and Tom admits he, that he never thought TV, well, being in a broadcast booth was his future. He's got a production company. He's done documentaries. They've done the movie 80 for Brady. I mean, he's obviously comfortable in front of a camera. It makes me laugh so hard when people say he needs to earn his chops as a broadcaster. Do you know how many freaking press conferences that guy did over the course of his career? More than anybody else. He's comfortable talking about football. He's good. And now he actually can say what he wants to say without worrying about locker room or bulletin board material. Anyway, (laughs) I've had some people suggest he needs a coach, a broadcasting coach. Well, Brady's pretty maniacal about his preparation, so I think he's on the right track. For me, it's about getting really comfortable in a new role, but I also know that going into it, I'm, I'm not a finished product, and I've reached out to a lot of different people this, se- this football season and had a lot of phone conversations with people who have really helped me out, and I'm looking forward to continuing to do that over the next eight months. I don't have to go on air till September of next year, but I really want to be prepared for that first time out, but I also know I'm going to, improve and grow as it goes over the next 10 years. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. Tom Brady's practicing. That's the herd with Colin Cowherd. I bet we'll see him in Vegas, or I'll see him in Vegas. Jay, would you know him if you walked down the hall? Colin Cowherd? Yeah. I think so. I think so. (laughs) All right, I'll point him out. He usually comes to say hello whenever I see him since we worked together. um, I would know him. An age ago. Okay, so I don't want to forget about the Pittsburgh part of this because while we're talking about surprises a little bit, I am interested to know how Steelers fans feel about Arthur Smith as their offensive coordinator. So remember, Matt Canada was let go partway through the year. Once Mason Rudolph took over, well, the offense really, it, it opened up. They started running the ball more, but that also helped out with Mason Rudolph. But it wasn't a great offensive year for the Steelers. Arthur Smith, fired by the Falcons earlier this month. Didn't have any playoff runs in Atlanta, but he was the Titans offensive coordinator for a couple seasons as well. Do you think this was the splash that Steelers fans were hoping for? I don't think it's a bad move. No. Ken Dorsey got gobbled up, so there was no Ken Dorsey available. Interesting. I feel like Steelers fans are never happy, so. <laughs> oh, they, they some of them don't like Mike Tomlin. They're ready to get booed him. I'll take Mike Tomlin. Like tomorrow. Yesterday. Okay, we're wrapping up with our rumor about Rory McIlroy. Have you noticed that he's changing his tune on live golfers? He actually says they should be allowed back to the PGA Tour. To me, 
the faster that we can all get back together and start <gasps> to play and yes. you know start to have you know the strongest feels possible i think is great for golf at first when i heard that i thought he said the strongest feels possible feels Evan as in F E E L S. And I thought, Oh my gosh, he's admitting to his emotions. He's sad that they're leaving. John Rahm's out recruiting guys for his live team. And Rory's waxing poetic about the fact that everyone's leaving. They should be allowed back on the PGA tour. We shouldn't hold it against them. I'm sorry, who are you and what have you done with Rory McIlroy? This is why I'm starting the speculation. I'm just speculating personally. I think he might be considering it. He hated Liv. He was Mr. PGA. He couldn't wait. Yeah, he was the self-described defender of the PGA Tour. He couldn't wait until Liv went belly up. He went after Greg Norman with all of his teeth and his fangs out. And now he says, oh, we should let them back on the tour. I miss them. I'm telling you, he may be softening. It may be the big, the bombshell of 2024. Mark my words, you heard it here first. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio.